I invite you to turn in God's Word with me today to Luke chapter 6, the Gospel according to Luke chapter 6. And uh, these words come from what's often called Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. And they correspond in many ways to uh, Matthew's Gospel and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Luke, he preaches on the plain. Matthew on the Mount. We're looking at uh, the Christian virtues in the fall, as you have heard already. And this morning we look at the topic of kindness, the virtue of kindness And let's look at uh, what God's Word has to say to us this morning. Just one last announcement um, that I forgot to make earlier, and that is our adult ed session today begins the topic of uh, studying uh, women in office, ordaining women as elders, uh, whether we should or should not, what God's Word says about that. We'll be looking at that topic, I think, for six weeks uh, this fall. And we invite you to join us in the youth room for that discussion today that begins at 11 a.m. And now let's read uh, God's word to his people. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, What credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful this is the word of the lord thanks be to god Sisters and brothers in Jesus Christ, I was standing in line at our credit union some time back, and I noticed that at each of the teller's windows, there was a little um, copper-colored metal sort of jar or dish. Now, I just walked in, and I was standing in line. It got my curiosity going, but not much more than that. As I drew a little closer to the window, I noticed that each of those little dishes had coins in them. And being the cynic that I am, I thought, oh, great, now the tellers are accepting tips just like everybody else in the world these days. But then I noticed, too, that there was a little card next to each one of these dishes. And as I drew closer, I was able to read that card, and it said something like this. It said, anytime your teller does not greet you with a smile or treat you kindly during your transaction, you are invited to take a silver dollar out of the dish. So it was just the reverse of what I had thought. What was happening here was my credit union was putting a price on kindness, right? Kindness. As we talk about the virtue of kindness today, I think there are a couple of things that we can actually learn from my credit union 
And the first is this, that kindness is pretty important to us as human beings. Kindness is pretty important. I think sometimes we in the church have come to view kindness as just the opposite. Not very important at all. Kindness might be one of those garden variety virtues in our minds. You can sort of take it or leave it. I mean, don't we have more important things to be worried about in life today? There's war in Ukraine, right? People have been devastated in Florida. There's violence in our cities, all of this stuff. And we want to talk about kindness today. Kindness just doesn't seem very important. Although that, that's not true in the world of retail, is it? I mean, we see this sort of thing every day. I walked into Walmart the other day, <clears throat> and I was expecting to be greeted. And there was a greeter standing there. I don't know what she was doing. She was looking at the floor in a conversation with another person, but I didn't get my greeting, and I, I felt like I was missing something. I deserve a greeting when I go into Walmart. And Walmart must feel the same way because they make sure there's somebody at the door, and usually they do greet you, right? Welcome to Walmart. It's good, good to have you here, that sort of thing. So in many parts of society today, kindness is actually a pretty important thing. It's not just in the world of retail that kindness means something. Think about dropping your child off on her very first day of school. How much is it worth when the teacher notices those little red eyes and she says something like, Marcy, I am so glad that you are in my class. Doesn't that make your trip home from school all the more, all the more easy? Rather than if she had just sort of ignored Marcy and let her go her own way? Kindness means a lot. Lewis Meads defines kindness as, as love in action. It's love acting on persons. The Greek word is krestotes, and it's a very pragmatic sort of word. In its origin, it meant something like usefulness. Usefulness. Kindness is about being useful to someone. It's about doing and acting for someone else. Last week, we talked about, about compassion and one of the things we said is if it's true compassion, it ought always to lead to some sort of action, and that action might just be kindness. Kindness is some sort of action, usefulness for another person. And so in this way, there is a power, a strength that's in kindness. Walter Wangerin Jr., in one of his books, he says that even the smallest act of kindness is something that edifies us. It builds us up. Kindness, then, is the power, the strength to build up another human being. He gives us an example in his own life of one day he had to stop for gas. It was a rainy day, and there he was out by the car pumping his own gas, getting wet, and what should happen, but... But the, the station attendant actually came out, came out from his warm little room placed behind the cash register, and he came and stood next to Wangerin in the rain, chatted with him. Wangerin says, he didn't solve some terrible trouble of mine, 
nor did he save me from some disaster or fix something I couldn't fix. Nevertheless, he did the extraordinary. In his kind action of of just being there, he built me up. Kindness has that kind of power. It's the power to build somebody up. At the same time, to withhold kindness is also a power. It's the power to tear somebody down. And I think we're all pretty familiar with that, aren't we? I was visiting an auto salvage yard one day to pick up a part for a car that I was working on. I told the person at the desk what it was that I needed, and he sent someone out into the yard to search for it. Well, while I was waiting, two other individuals, two other men came in. They were nicely dressed guys. They were similar to me in age, or maybe half my size, however. But they wore smiles from ear to ear when they came in. You could tell they were enjoying one another's company. They were also speaking in a different language. And when they got up to the counter, they asked the guy behind the computer, do you speak English? And he looked up from his computer just long enough to scowl at them and almost shout, this is America, we speak English here. And then he went back to his important work on the computer. Needless to say, those smiles were gone. In one harsh instant, those men had been torn down, completely demolished as persons. All of us have the power of kindness within us. The power to build up or the power to tear down. The power to act kindly or the power to withhold kindness. Friends, kindness is not some garden variety virtue, is it? It's not an elective. It's a requirement. In fact, it's it's fundamental. Really, it's fundamental to all of our, our human relationships. If you don't have kindness down, there's really not much sense in going too far beyond that. If there's no kindness in your house, in your home, in your family, if there's no kindness from parents to children and back from children to parents, then it's really not much of a home, is it? Kindness is is basic. It's fundamental. It's something we build on. Remember that great basketball film? If you haven't seen it, you've heard about it here. I'll tell you again that, that film Hoosiers. It's worth a watch sometime. Gene Hackman comes into this little Indiana town, this little high school that hasn't won anything in a long time. He's their new coach. He shows up at the first basketball practice, right? And he gets there and all these players are goofing around on the court and they're spinning basketballs on their fingers. They're dribbling between their legs and throwing behind the back passes, all of that kind of stuff. Look like a small-time version of the Harlem Globetrotters. And the coach, the new coach, comes in, and the first thing he does, and, and everybody revolts because of it, but the very first thing he does is he gets down to the fundamentals, and he runs drill after drill after drill of doing just the basic things, like dribbling 
and throwing chess passes and shuffling your feet on defense. And, and we get it, right? In instances like that, we get it. If you don't learn the fundamentals, if you don't begin there, you have nothing to build on. But the same thing is true in all of our relationships. If you can't be kind to one another, there's no reason trying to go further. If you can't be kind to your marriage partner, don't expect 50 years of wedded bliss. And if you can't be kind to the other kids in your class and at school, don't expect a big crowd at your birthday party. Friends, if we can't be kind to our neighbors, don't imagine that they're all going to want to come to church with us. As someone once said, don't tell me I've got a friend in Jesus until I know I've got a friend in you. That's where it begins. Kindness is really kind of important. It's fundamental. And if we don't understand that, then I'm not sure where we go from there. So that's one thing we can learn, I think, from my credit union. But I think there's, there's one more thing, and that is that kindness is not transactional. All right? Kindness is not transactional. It's not contractual. And yet that's the level that it often works on in today's world. And what I mean is that, is that kindness today often functions as sort of a contract. For instance, the bank has an agreement with their tellers, right? You be kind to your customers, you smile a lot, you greet them by name, all of those sorts of things. And if you do that in return, we'll give you a paycheck and we'll let you keep your job. In other words, kindness is, is part of the job, right? It's, it's expected. There's a contract there. I compare it to Christmas cards. Christmas cards. Who are you going to send a Christmas card this year? You've got a list, right? And, and we all know how Christmas card lists go. You check over the list and you say... Did we get a card from this person last year? And if you didn't, check mark or scratch through their name. Maybe you give a year's grace. Okay, maybe they just forgot. And so you give them a year's grace. But beyond that, it's like, nope. That's how Christmas cards work. If you guys don't know this, this is how it works. If you get one from somebody else, you send one back to them. If you don't get one, you don't have to. You're free, you're released. But you see, there's kind of a contract with Christmas cards, right? There's an agreement there. This is how it works. I send a card to someone who sends one to me. And that's how we often think of kindness, that it's transactional. People who are kind to me, that's who I will be kind to. I mean, it's people with whom I have an agreement. With my wife, I have an agreement. With my children, I have an agreement. As your pastor, we sort of have an agreement, right? I'll be kind to you, you'll be kind to me. We have, we have these agreements with one another, these circles of agreements, these circles of contracts. But the question becomes, how do we handle those situations when we get, get outside of those circles of agreement, right? 
when we get outside of our church circles, when we get outside of our family, when we get outside of our income brackets or our, 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 our circle of friends or our racial circles, what do we do then? Let me circle back for a moment just to that incident with the salvage yard. Um, <clears throat> I was preaching in a little country church one night and I used that, that illustration actually talking about kindness. And after the service, I was, uh, I was approached by a man who was wearing quite a heavy frown. And what he did was he told me that in my sermon I had used the term junkyard. And he said that I'm in the business and it's not referred to as junkyard. It's referred to as salvage yard. And we had a little exchange about that. But as I was on my way home that night, driving in the car, I had a little time to consider that conversation. Do you think that man was really upset, so upset that I called his business a junkyard? I think that's really what it was that got him all hot and heavy? Or, or do you think it may have been that what was eating at him was the fact that I had called him to kindness toward a group outside of his circle of agreement. To people that he had no contract with, really didn't want a contract with. What do we do when we're outside of that circle of agreement? You know, sometimes we use the phrase, random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness. And I think, I think we use that term because kindness often surprises us, right? It surprises us, especially outside of our circles of agreement. But I don't think, I don't think random is really the correct word because there's nothing random about kindness. It's very intentional. I think a better word might be indiscriminate. Indiscriminate acts of kindness or, or impartial acts of kindness because those are words that actually describe the kindness of our God. Think of our text for a moment. The fact is that Jesus knew about transactional sorts of kindness long before my credit union ever picked up on it. In fact, he gives us three examples of it. He says, you love those who what? Who love you. And you do good to those who what? Who do good to you. And you lend to those who can pay you back. And Jesus asks, what's so great about that? And then he points us to his heavenly Father. And he says, God is kind to the ungrateful and even the wicked. In Matthew's version, he says, God sends his sunshine and his rain on both the wicked and the good. In other words, he doesn't discriminate. He isn't just kind to people that he has an agreement with, that he has a contract with. He isn't kind just to people who can pay him back or who have been good in the first place, right? 
Rather, Jesus says, God is kind to everyone. To everyone. And Jesus says, this is the kind of kindness that I want you to show toward others in your life. I want you to be like God. I want people to be surprised by your kindness. They never expected it. And there it was. And of course, this is where we recognize, or at least we should recognize, that we ourselves are the primary benefactors, the primary recipients of God's kindness. Paul says that it's while we were yet enemies of God, enemies of God, that's when God sent his son Jesus to save us. While we were yet sinners, that's when the Lord acted. He didn't wait for us to clean up our lives first. What does he say to Titus? What did Paul write to Titus? He says, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and Hating, and that's when, that's when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. When our lives were still a mess. Friends, that's the gospel. We weren't God's friends when He saved us, we were His enemies. We were stuck in a life of hating and being hated. If you think that we were friends of God, and that's why he climbed up on the cross, then why did we need a cross? I mean, if we were friends with God, no one needed a cross. The issue was we were his enemies. And he showed us his kindness, his mercy, his grace at that time. He did not discriminate. He was impartial. And he showed us his love. And this is where we see, friends, that kindness is so much more than transactional. Not only does kindness not look for reciprocation, not only does kindness not look to break even, but kindness is actually willing to go into debt. It's willing to take on debt, someone else's debt. And friends, that takes strength. That takes power. Lewis Smeads, again, says that kindness is the power to move close to another person in order to heal them. It's the power to move close to another person in order to heal them. He says the pity that wells up in us after watching a documentary on starving children, that's not kindness, he says. That's sentimentality. Kindness is the strength to take one of those starving children into your arms and feed them at your own breast. That's kindness. It's the kindness to bear another person's burdens by feeling their pain in your own soul. 
Carry one another's burdens, says Paul. And it takes strength to do that. It takes strength to take a burden off of someone else's shoulders and to place it on your own. You've got your own burdens to carry, right? And now you need to take on more. That's hard. In another episode of the the podcast, Groundworks, the hosts give an example from playwright Wendy Wasserstein. She says that a lot of people in New York, they, they choose to be kind. She says it's their secret weapon, the secret weapon of the New Yorker. She says, you think everyone in New York is going to be tough and cold because that's what the world tells us, right? If you're going to have success in this life, you have to be tough and cold. And she says, there are a lot of people like that in New York, just like everywhere else in the world. But at the same time, she says, when I've been to New York, I can't believe how helpful people are. How helpful they are when I'm lost. They'll pause and give me directions Help me figure out the subway and which line I'm supposed to be on. And kindness, she says, is our secret weapon to outsiders. And then she adds this. And she says, you know what? It takes a lot more courage to be kind to a stranger than to simply ignore them or dismiss them. It takes more courage to be kind. Isn't that true? It doesn't take any courage to to walk on past someone and let them deal with their own problems. That doesn't take any strength. You deal with your stuff, I'll deal with mine. It takes strength to stop and to heap their burdens onto your own shoulders. Which is probably why there's a lack of kindness in the world today. It's not that kindness isn't important. It's not that it's just a garden variety virtue. It's the fact that it's hard. We get tired. We lose strength. You know, some years ago, when I was still a pastor in Michigan, In those days, you actually had to prepare two sermons a week, one for the morning, one for the evening. I was sitting at home uh, in the evening after a long day. I don't know if I was watching football or baseball, but it was one of those sports, I'm sure. And uh, the kids were already in bed, and I was looking forward to heading there myself soon. And that's when I heard a knock at the door. Now, In those days, we lived in a parsonage, which was right next to the church. It was on the same property, and so this kind of thing happened quite often. So I went to answer the door, and there was a man um, who looked somewhat familiar, but he was clearly a stranger to me. And we went through this kind of routine that I often went through with people like this. He told me about all the hardships in his life, and he told me that at this particular time, he didn't have any money, he didn't have any food, he didn't have any place to stay. Could I help? And I told you, I was, I was tired. <laughs> it had been a long day. And so what I did is I gave him some money, and I said, why don't you go find a motel? 
I reached into my pocket and I gave him some money. But I didn't give him any kindness. I didn't try to resolve his issues. I didn't try to take any of his burdens on myself. I didn't have a contract with him. And I sent him away. True kindness, friends, it takes strength. So how do we get to the point where we have enough strength? I mean, yeah, there will be times when, when we're exhausted and, and we just can't help. There's too many problems in this world. But how do we get to that place where we have, where we have strength more times than not? Strength to say, what can I do to really help you? A few weeks ago, we talked about the difference between Christian virtues and just inborn natural strengths. Sort of strengths or virtues that are wired into us genetically, right? And we said one of the ways that you can tell the difference is when something is just wired into you, when it's just a natural strength, what happens? You grow weary. That's not going to carry you. What we said instead is, you need something more. You need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ in you. How does that happen? What do we do? Well, friends, We need to go over the gospel again and again and again until it is so ingrained that it's believed. It becomes a part of us. It's who we are. What is the gospel? Well, it's one of the greatest transactions. In fact, it's the greatest transaction that has ever taken place, right? Where God took my sin and he put it on Jesus' shoulders. And then he took Jesus' righteousness and he put it on my shoulders, just like a robe. And he said, this is now who you are. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus now lives in you. And it's the kindness of Jesus Christ that can now flow out of you. How can we actually go into debt for people around us? Well, it's because we live by a transaction that happened about 2,000 years ago. And we don't need another one. We are filled with the gratitude that comes with belonging to Jesus Christ as his people. And so, friends, clothe yourselves with Christ. Clothe yourselves with kindness. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, we're going to spend some time like we did last Sunday, just remembering and contemplating God's kindness to us, confessing our our own lack in this area, and committing ourselves anew to putting on the virtue of kindness. 
the worship team is, is going to lead us in this. So let's spend the next few moments reflecting and praying, and then we'll conclude together by singing, Take, O oh, Take Me As I Am. Shall be.